This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is up, everyone? And welcome to another exciting installment of the K. Golasso podcast. We're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team. Drawing with Canada at home. Just give you some early thoughts. I thought it was unacceptable. We're going to talk about Mexico's big win in Costa Rica 1-0. Panama doing the business 3-0 over Jamaica in Jamaica. And, of course, the lights going out in the El Salvador game. I wish that could have happened in Nashville. Kegelasso Pod starts right now. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am one of your favorite former U.S. men's national team players, Jimmy Conrad, alongside the magical Heath Pierce, another one of your favorite former U.S. men's national team players. Heath, how are you doing, my friend? Great to see you as always. Hey, Jimmy, I got to be honest with you, man. Last time you went with favorite and I was their second favorite. Now you're putting us a level. It's very, uh, very socialist of you uh, to put us on uh, the, the same level to our fans. Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to be a good teammate. Heath. I'm just trying to be a good <laughs> oh, teammate. I, we're going to get into teammates uh, today, aren't we? We, we are. That's, we definitely get into some. That's the theme. Before we get there, though, I do want to say you can listen to the Kegelasso podcast on your smart speakers simply say alexa play the latest episode of the k golasso podcast or hey google play the latest episode of the k golasso podcast and then it will be there with the soothing sounds of our voice or the magical another magical luis miguel echegaray also if you're watching live on youtube be part of the conversation leave us a question we can talk about it on the chat do that right now and if you're listening on apple podcast do us a favor and leave k golasso a five-star rating because we're delivering the goods all day, every day, about the beautiful game all over the world. All right, Heath, let's get into it. U.S. 1, Canada 1. I don't know where you want to start. Oh, Maybe oh, the Let's go pregame action. Okay. Weston McKinney suspended for violating team rules. And then he went on Instagram and said he was sorry for his actions. That's all we know. That's all I know about the incident. But something happens. And I think it was a distraction for the team, whether Greg Berhalter or the other other teammates or his his teammates will admit it. Yeah, Jimmy, I, I don't know if you had any time in your career where a player is sick match day or whatever it is. You've been going through the training sessions. You've gone through the tactics. You've worked through it and all those things. And then something happens that you can't control you as a player that that's not involved in whatever incident happens. It's a distraction. Now we're talking about the biggest game uh, so far in the U.S.'s qualifying uh, campaign. Obviously, there's only been two, but it, it's a huge distraction. And I don't want to speculate. Obviously, he put the post up here that you can see. Unfortunately, I'm suspended, uh, and it was about uh, uh, team COVID protocols. Now, if they're in a bubble, there's a number of things that that could be, right? I'm going to assume it was on the more extreme end that he left the bubble or he left or had somebody in the hotel that shouldn't be, or he went somewhere he shouldn't be that puts others uh, health and ability to play at jeopardy. Uh, then just sort of like meeting somebody mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. lobby and, and giving someone like a hug when you're not supposed to, or like maintaining, you know, safe social distancing. I would assume it's probably on the far end of that because, or that there was some sort of public element to it uh, that came into play where he was spotted or seen somewhere 
um, that that may have a long term effect. That's that's me speculating. So mm-hmm. of don't, course, don't don't read into that that much. But it's a huge distraction, right? And he's just one, right? Gio Reyna has has it comes up with an injury. Obviously, it's great to have uh, Christian Pulisic back in the team again, but uh, it's just a lot of change for this team. And and I know we're going through this, and it's going to make them better in the long run. I hope uh, to 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 have to face adversity. But yeah, just not what I wanted to hear. So so one of the things, and I know we're getting into the speculation side of things, but what has been proven is that Weston McKinney, while he was playing for Juve, had a a party at his apartment or went to a party where they were breaking COVID rules during mm-hmm. a very important time not to be out and socializing. And he ended up getting in trouble by the club for participating in it. So to your point about can they learn from it, I hope so. But if this is something similar to that, where he's, and you said this on HQ, being being a little bit selfish in his decision-making, when all you have to do, dude, is focus on these three games, you're in a bubble for 10 or 11 days. I know it's tedious. We've been in there before. We, we know how hard it can be and how boring it can be and how repetitious it can be. But there's this is a big deal, man. This like qualifying for a World Cup is a big I know he knows that. But, but when you're about to make those decisions, those are the things that have to go through your mind. And so what's interesting is the two players that we missed, Weston McKinney and Gio Reyna, were probably the two players we missed the most in this game against Canada because we had to roll out other guys. Brendan Aronson, though he scored a good goal and he ended up starting that goal with his good pressure and his good energy, which is one of his hallmarks, and ended up having a good sense of presence to get into the box and finish it off. Fantastic goal. But it would have been nice. Now, Greg didn't make subs until the 83rd minute. I assume that if he had Weston McKinney or Gio Reyna available, he probably, well, this guy's probably would have started, but you would have had Aronson come on in the 65th minute, or you would have had somebody else come on. Instead, we waited till the 83rd minute to make subs, man. So that is that is really interesting for me, and I feel like there's some dominoes that are falling here in terms of discipline off the field and how that discipline comes and shows up on on the field. And then obviously we got our depth tested today. And I'm not going to say, I thought we just didn't kill it, right? Those guys that came in didn't necessarily kill it and own it and make it their own. I actually thought Anthony Robinson was pretty good on the left. But outside of that, you know, there was nobody else that really stood out for me in terms of that. I don't know where you want to go with this. I'm all over the place. I don't really have no. a question. Just run. The, yeah, no, I, my thoughts are, are, are that exactly. I, to, to wrap up my thought on, on Weston, I hope he's got a, a team of people around him that are going to look him in the eyes and talk to him honestly and say, you are not better than a single player on this national team, on your club team, or anybody else. You are not above the law. And Jimmy, you and I have played with plenty of players. You know, mm-hmm. have a night out. You sneak out. No, Nobody says anything. And I'm not saying that's what he did. But I'm saying we've all had players that needed something that, you know, in a different time period or whatever. Maybe we, we know some that have gotten in trouble for it and others, <laughs> others that don't. But people I love need, it. Keep, keep, keep them nameless, Heath. Yeah, keep them nameless. Many, everybody needs something different to prep for a game or take their mind off to unwind. Michael Bradley was my roommate. He watched soccer all day long on his laptop. I would watch movies. That was what we did. We typically <laughs> didn't go anywhere, but like we had two different ways of decompressing. Other people have other ways of decompressing. But when you're in this crucial phase and the world is so different the last year and a half, and I know it's hard, and I know that you're, you feel stuck inside, especially he's a social butterfly. He just loves to be out and about. It's hard, but you've got to figure out a way to put the team first. And again, I'm speculating on whatever it was. <laughs> Maybe he, I don't know. Um, he, he listened. He said sorry for his actions. So there was yeah. clearly something. I mean, there is some speculation in terms of the degree of the or the severity of, yeah. of the action. But 
but, but clearly it was enough to to invoke him not even dressing, not even being in the 18. Because if yeah. it was just like I was showed up five minutes late to a meeting or whatever, he just wouldn't start potentially, yeah. right? But it, it wouldn't be him not being a part of the 18 at all. Yeah, I've had I, I've had teammates not start because they were late to the pregame meal or late to the pregame meeting, things like that, where it's like you have to make a statement for the wider team and you mm-hmm. keep it in house and no one knows about it. But yeah, to get back to the to the team, I still think we have enough depth to beat Canada. Yeah, but Canada, yeah. who I thought tried to play at home against Honduras, they tried to open up, they tried to play a little like uh, with a with a rhythm and a flow to it. Atiba Hutchinson kind of on the ball more often scrapped all that and said, you know what, let's go back to what made us good this summer. And we're going to fight. We're going to fight for every single thing. And then when the game settles down, we're going to have enough quality players on the ball, whether it's junior Hoylette or Alfonso Davies, Mm -hmm, who was mm -hmm. by far the best player on the field. Every time he got the ball, Mm -hmm. we we just talked about this on, on HQ. You go, Oh man, something might happen with this guy. And that's it. That's just a level above. When I see Christian Pulisic, at his best, I feel that same way, whether it's at the club level or national team level. But when he's not, it's nowhere close to what Alfonso Davies is, who also wasn't at his very best tonight, but still showed. And right. so I think the U.S. has to go back to what made them good this summer. Mexico in two finals. Mexico was better. Honduras in the, in the Nations League semifinal. Honduras, I thought, was better than the mm-hmm, U.S. Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. U.S. said, you know what? Roll up our sleeves. We're going right. to fight. We're going to scrap. Right. And we're going to, and somebody, somebody on this team, Weston McKinney wasn't great uh, over 90 minutes uh, this summer. But what he did is he came up with the big play when he knew everyone around him was willing to fight and scrap for every single ball and keep them alive in matches. And that, I think, paid off. And that was what earned my respect for this team. Because on paper, again, individual, right. phenomenal players. Yeah. Phenomenal. I, I literally wake up as early as I can, sneak downstairs away from my kids so I can watch these guys play on the weekend. <laughs> because they play on clubs where you can readily get the games. That's how good they are. So it's not a disrespect to them. Right. It's about converting that into tangible results for this national team. And I think that goes back to what it takes to qualify. And Canada mm-hmm, did that mm-hmm. tonight. They were willing to scrap. They were willing to fight. They were willing to make it difficult and go, you know what? Let's let's put our egos to the side. We're just going to sit back. Let, let everybody talk about 20-something percent possession. We don't care. We've now left the U.S. with a point on the road, and we are going to be able to in- continue our journey and, over and, a number and, of games. And on top of that, not only did they get a point away from home, they've also frustrated the U.S., right? They've They've... They're making the U.S. doubt themselves. They're going to go home, not necessarily as champions. Uh, Robin Russell comes in, comes in and says Canada might put themselves in a good spot if they they win their last group game. You know, they could be in third at this point behind Panama or close to Panama and right behind Mexico, which is a very good point. And I want to give, like like Heath, I want to give some praise to Canada for their performance because they had tactics. They didn't start David. They didn't start Buchanan, two of their best attacking young players. <laughs> That's crazy, by the way. That's crazy. It's and crazy. they brought him. It's crazy. And it worked because maybe to your point, Heath, they put out guys that are going to fight a little bit more than those two. They're going to put guys that are just going to make it a little bit more difficult for Anthony Robinson and Dest to, to, you know, have to bring the ball up and they're just going to get fouled, right? Pulisic got fouled within 10 seconds in the game. Like it was going to be one of those types of chippy affair, chippy affair. And that's when you do, when you can't handle, they can't run with the talent that uh, you're playing against. You just start to foul them. You start to break up the rhythm. And I thought Canada was pretty good and pretty spot on. And then they got to bring on those talented players when the game was in the balance and they almost stole it and won uh, the game itself and got all three points. Now to Jose's point, Jose said earlier in the comments that there's still plenty of matches left to go. And for sure, I think, I think we, we know that we're going to sit here and say, Hey, with the benefit of this being an, an Ocho, the Ocho instead of the hex is that we've got 14 games in total. We're down with two. We only have two points. We have 12 games left to go. More than enough time to get back into it. I think the big concern for us is how we're playing. 
and and what we're seeing when we're out there. How are we solving problems or or, or lack thereof? And then Antonio says, Greg's got to go. He says, Greg's got to go. I think it might be a little bit too early for that. It's going to be a very hard game, and we're going to have another, another uh, podcast and another preview for you guys with regard to the Honduras one, which is coming up uh, next week. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy, can, cra- can, crazy, can I, crazy. Can I, can I say something real quick? Yeah, go for it. Just so everybody knows, I'm not expecting these guys to play at a world-class level in these qualifying things. But why not? not, not to, but why, but no, why not? But why not? It's, it's, I mean, sure, they, they could. But what I want to see is when they pressed well, well, when Aronson pressed well, picked the ball away, and they connected seven, eight passes, show me that five times a half. Yeah, right. Show right. me that urgency, that mm-hmm. rhythm, that understanding of the game. We talk about this new generation, how young they are, the IQ, the level that they can play at. Look what they do on the weekends. That IQ translates. It is this universal game. Right. And you're playing at home. Show me that more times in a game. I, uh, Tyler Adams fought really hard tonight. I was I, I was happy with with his effort. I think he's more of a captain like material to me at the moment than a Christian Pulisic is. I thought wait, Christian wait, Pulisic, I, I agree. Yeah. Can we come just to cut in, though, that there was one play where Tyler Adams went out of his way to push down Mark Anthony yeah. K when we were on the break. Yep. We had a good that opportunity. Was a big break. Yeah, it was a big break. And he actually looks at Mark Anthony K and runs him over. Okay, it might be a little soft in some capacity, but his intent was clear what he was trying to do. And I thought rightfully it was called the right. Mm-hmm. It was called the yep. right way. It should have been called on him. This is my one issue with Tyler is that sometimes what we love about him is also his biggest weakness because he is emotional because he cares so much. Now he sometimes gets into the shithousery of the game and that could have potentially stifled an attack that we could have scored on and yeah. that's where we need somebody of captain material. If you want to kick Mark Anthony K, you just got to do it in a different part of the field yeah. when all eyes aren't you right next to the fourth official on the sideline. I'm all for kicking the opponents if that's what you want to do, if that's the type of game you have and you want to get into it. Also, he got beat on the sideline. Him and Acosta got beat by Buchanan when he came mm-hmm. on. He fouled, him. he fouled Buchanan in the box from behind. If there was VAR, they would have looked at that, and that could have been a penalty that saw us lose that game. Now, our team shape is all over the place. If any time our two central midfielders are out on the sideline defending, so there's a whole big different issue there. But that's one of those things where Tyler Adams, I love him. Uh, Believe me, I think he's going to be one of our most important players, not only now, but in the next six to eight years. But these are the things that he needs to corral a little bit emotionally so he doesn't lose control of what makes him great. And, And that's the one thing I'll add, because I do think he's... Better captain material than, let's say, Christian yeah. Pulisic. I, I want to break this game down into a few moments. Okay? Let's do it. U.S. goes up 1-0. We talked about this on HQ a few minutes ago. There was no... I'm still pl- bitter about there, it. There was no plan for the U.S. Like, it, th- there was no response, we, right? We didn't there manage like the game. This, we we got to manage the game, Heath. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. And, and so, yeah, we're going to... I connect those however many minutes until they scored... All the way through El Salvador, because it felt like there was this relief that came from El Salvador all the way up to this moment of like, oh man, are people calling our bluff? And now they finally got this goal. There was this like relief. And then there was no plan on like, what happens when we score? And what do we do when they bring in their super subs? And should we press or should we drop? Should we grind this out? Should we counterattack? What is our solution? Where's the next goal come from? How are we going to keep this uh, uh, at zeros? Uh, and goals against it just seemed like there wasn't this plan right and Mm -hmm. normally you see a team that's that's ready and and tuned in together where they go okay it's over now right we're gonna make your lives really hard you made it hard for us we've not we've broken the deadlock now good luck we're gonna do this 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 and this and it didn't seem like that now my part 
second part to that, that Jimmy, and I want to get your thoughts on that, that first part. Second part is, had the U.S. actually responded well there and just grinded out a result, one nil, no problem, three points, would you be critical of the performance? Or, you know, again, I'm speculating on a, no. on a huge window of time. But I'm saying, would, would, would you be I, like, that's it, it's good? No, I would have said that was a very professional performance by a young team. I think that would have been the narrative that came out. And when we went up 1-0, I was here, we got it. You know, we all we have to do now, because if you want to unlock a team that is sitting all 11 players behind the ball, letting your center backs and your back four have the ball kind of in non-dangerous areas, but they're sitting way back and looking to counter, and they've got some excellent players to counter, most notably Alfonso Davies, who I think we could both agree was man of the match. Mm -hmm. When you go up 1-0 on a team that's sitting back, you are in dreamland, baby, because now you can sit back and do the same exact thing that they're doing to you. And now they have to chase the game. Now they have to create pockets of space, which is not something they were built and set up to do. But they, we let them score so early after seven minutes, we barely made them suffer. On top of that, the goal they scored was so goddamn easy. The fact that you could have a guy that runs from midfields and, and Yedlin could see him and he runs behind him. Now, Yedlin needs to have a better starting position. First, no pressure on the ball. Uh, better starting position from DeAndre Yedlin. Miles Robinson, who I am a big fan of, He's got to be able to see that run and the but ball Yedlin, at the same Yedlin's time. pointing to his left as if Robinson should be coming over or whatever. But Yedlin's still with him. And then Yedlin's just watching the ball, which right, means right, at right. least the minimum you can do is cut off the – if you're going to step yeah, out, yeah, you, step, cut off the angle at least. Right, 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 right. No, no, no. There's a couple things. I mean, there's plenty of players to, to blame. But, yes, Yedlin's in there for sure. His starting position wasn't good, especially when you can see the whole thing unfold and you have one of the, the most talented attacking players on the field just – just drop off and give the guy the ball in front of you if you're feeling a little bit of that nervous. You don't have to take a chance with a higher line. Miles Robinson, for me, at least has to get a little bit closer because by the time it took him to get over, to slide over, he just wasn't involved in the play. And then John Anthony Brooks completely loses his mark. I don't even know how that was possible. That we could go from a ball that went from a center back to a left back, down the line to an obvious pass that everybody can see, to a cross where a guy can tap it in from six yards – completely unacceptable. I won't even have to hide or mince my words or try to hurt, you know, I'm not worried about anybody's feelings at this point because it's just so uh, incredibly unacceptable. And and it gets to your point, though. What were we doing to manage that? We didn't have to step that high. We didn't have to create those gaps. We could sit back and give them some of their own medicine, and we didn't do it, which then speaks to everybody on the field. How are we managing the situation? How are we managing this game? And then when we get to 1-1, we're still in that same thing. Like, what are we supposed to do now? And then they scored in the, I don't know what minute it was. It was the, it was the 62nd minute. Mm -hmm. We don't bring on any, any subs for 21 minutes. You're not, you're not giving your, the guys on the field that are clearly tired any, any tools or any new fresh blood or fresh energy to solve some of these problems, even to come on as a sub and say, listen, like, like when I saw Christian Roldan run on, he comes on, he tells Pulisic something. You're giving him in-game tactics. How are we going to solve this problem? Instead, you let these guys hang out there for 21 minutes because you don't – what's happening? Listen, we're friends with Greg. We've known Greg Berhalter. We've played with him. We know what he's all about. But he's not – just because he's our friend, he's not free from criticism because he has this role. And those 20 minutes were absolutely crucial, and I think he bottled it. I really think he bottled those 20 minutes. I fully agree. And, Jimmy, you, you mentioned the best thing you can do for a team that's going to sit back is score that first goal, right? Right. Part two to that is what you just mentioned. Bring on fresh legs because when you've sat back and, and I think uh, Antonio says, I think Greg has lost the dressing room. I'm pretty sure Antonio also said Greg out a few minutes ago on, <laughs> on this whole thing. Um, I don't know if he's lost the dressing room again. 
it's really hard. I know that we want to connect this to everything else, and I'm just going on a tangent here for a second. But 14 games, that's seven at home. That's now you have 18 remaining points, right? Is that true? Yeah, 18 remaining yeah, points yeah. Uh, at home. 18 plus your two points now probably gets you in, in a world. I'm not saying they're going to win six straight because I don't think they will. But it, I think along the way, if you can get four of those or five of those, you're still in a really good position. So I'm not worried about the dressing room. I think there's some maturity that needs to come with some of these mm-hmm, players, mm-hmm. some egos that need to be checked. I think some some realizations that, oh man, this like in, invisibility, this cloak of invisibility that we had all summer long isn't real mm-hmm. and it's wearing off. And there's going to have to be more that we have to do to win games because there's a lot of things they can't control. But but I go back to that second point again is fresh legs. This is all on Greg Berhalter here. Fresh legs. Jimmy, I, I, I go back to one moment in my career where I played against Spain away in Santander. We defended for the entire game. And then we gave up a goal in the 80th minute. You know why? Because we were exhausted, Jimmy. We mm-hmm. ran and ran and ran and ran. And we did doggy side to side. And it's not just physically that sucks. It's mentally is even worse because you're like, what am I even doing out here? I'm just playing defense. This is playing the game. And then you realize like, Oh, there's something there's, there's, there's obviously qualifying is one thing, but there's points on the road. There's something to play for. And that just resets you. But that doesn't mean that your legs aren't more tired that you've given up possession. Do you know what it's like to have 20 something percent? I mean, obviously you do, but like the ball (laughs) goes back and forth and that's you having to shift over and over and over again. And then the U S was trying to hit long switches. And even though they were under hitting the first few, you still have to shift and make these sprints and put out fires and all these things that after a while you're mentally and physically done, right? You're done. And so that's when you need those fresh legs, just like Buchanan came on against us and was like, Oh, I'm going to have a field day out here against these guys because now they're trying to push forward. They're trying to bomb forward. I'm going to find all this space and I'm just going to force them to defend. And I think the earlier Greg Berhalter could have put those players on the field and at least challenge them. Whether it's Pepe, I know Brendan Aronson would have been a perfect player to bring off the bench, as you yeah, mentioned yeah. with Weston McKinney. But take the players that you have and go after it. Josh Sargent, hey, go make some magic, go create an impact, leave the field. I'm going to ask you right when this game ends, did you do enough to help the team get three points today? And that's mm-hmm, the question mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you. And sometimes that's a simple question that you can challenge your players with for being super subs or creating an impact is go on there and do something. The problem is it was far too little, far too late. In a moment. And, and like you said, it was a very tight window where maybe you're thinking we're up one nil. Let's bring on some defensive reinforcements. And then all of a sudden it's one, one. And you're like, okay, what do I do now? Right. But do I, you know, right, right. But uh, yes, we're on the same page, man. Uh, and, and uh, Todd, thanks for the comment. Todd says it looked very similar in the gold cup where we just squeaked by with a lot of one zero wins, which speaks to your earlier point, Heath, about that. Maybe there's a bit of a mirage of how good we actually played in both of those competitions. Because when we look at all the games for what they are, nation's league, Honduras, they deserved a goal in that game and they didn't get it. We but Jimmy, by that. the way, we, we, you and I never said the U S we both covered those games. We yeah, never yeah. said the U S never was great. It never. was all about the fight. It was all right, about what right. it means to wear the crest. That is something very, and, and very it, different. And it was nice to see actually, right. I yeah. think we both said it was refreshing to see the U S kind of, having that 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 spirit that maybe had been lacking for whatever reason. And then we saw a whole different team for the Gold Cup outside of a few players, Acosta, Legette, and it looked very similar, like sweet. If there's anything that we're seeing throughout Greg's tenure is that there's, this, there's an identity of fight. And we haven't seen as much of that in the first two games for whatever reason. There have been players, of course, but it wasn't like the collective that we've seen. And it's been very interesting. Now, with regard to the no offensive game plan, 
I think there's one in place, Todd. I really do. I mean, we know Greg well enough. That guy is Mr. X's and O's. But what's happening is they're putting so many players back behind the ball, El Salvador and, and Canada. That's where we struggle. Okay. Hey, Greg, we've, we've done A, B, and C. It's not working. Like they're just in those areas that we want to have success. And so it has to be where we start to, how do we maybe that's like have to drop off per se, but it's okay to hit a, maybe hit a hopeful ball into the box and just try to win the second ball. We don't have to overcomplicate it all the time. Or as we saw some of Canada's best chances tonight, just a ball over the top. We have to mix it up sometimes. And, and we saw this early in Greg's tenure as a coach. I just want to play out of the back. That was his thing. I don't care if Zach Steffen touches it more than everybody else. He's going to play out of the back. And we got our asses kicked by, by uh, Mexico and New York. I was there for that game. I was like, what are we doing? Like, we need to have other options. And, and it's okay that if everybody's thinking the same thing at the same time, it does look choreographed. It does look like there's a plan and thought behind it. That we're going to lump a ball sometimes and we just go up and try to win it. Sir Alex Ferguson did it all the time. It just looked good because everybody was on the same page. If you do that and only one person is trying and the rest are like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's going to look like we don't know what the hell we're doing. And that's probably true. But if everybody's working together and understanding that, that's where I think maybe that next layer of understanding has to happen, especially because we're, we're not doing a very good job of solving problems when teams drop so many players back. And I will also add to that because there's been a theme on the negative side with these, these first two games. We look like we're in a goddamn rush all the time. Mm-hmm. Like we never put our foot on the ball and just play side to side and keep it and try to try to suck them out and make them move, right? You talked about Spain killing you for 80 minutes before they saw that one opening to score. I'm not saying we have to do that, but we could, we could maybe absorb some of that type of tactics and, and some of that philosophy, not always have to be in a rush. You get it, you play it, you move. You get it, you play it, and you move, and you look for that one time. At some point, those guys are going to get tired. But if we can never establish a rhythm, especially in their half, it's never going to happen. And instead, we get frustrated. Now you have guys taking risks that they shouldn't. Guys are getting pulled out of position. And it, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like these first two games. Yeah. And and by the way, JC asked what our 11 is for Honduras. Uh, JC, just so you know, we've got an actual preview pod yeah. coming out yeah. uh, before that match. So make sure you uh, tune into that. We'll give it to you. Uh, because, I, I need some time to decompress yeah, with this one I gotta, first. I got to yeah. do some. But one of the things I wanted to add on to that, Jimmy, was uh, pattern play. Mm-hmm, I, f- mm-hmm. I I feel like we've got this talented group of players that play in different styles of play, different systems, which is what we all dreamed of is like all these guys playing at big clubs. But Brendan Aronson, you see how he plays, right, at, at Salzburg. Press the ball, win the ball in good spots, attack with numbers, bring attacks to a conclusion. Boom, do it over and over and over again. Okay, they break that block. You drop back down. You have a different uh, way that you press in different parts of the field. Uh, so Gino Des is going to be in a very different type of situation, right? They they control possession and then they pounce when they lose it. it very it, similar in ways, but different, right? And then we get into, into pattern play offensively. I keep going back to Serginho Dest. You can tell he wants to draw players in and do one-twos, right? That requires an incredible amount of technical ability to one-two in, type spa- in tight spaces. Actually, in fact, Mexico does that very, very well, Um and, and that's what how they beat you. They draw you in to get you to want to press and tackle and bomb, bomb, bomb. They're out the other side, and now, now they've spun you. He wants to do that. But is that the type of player that Brendan Aronson is going to be uh, when he's higher up the field? Can the two of them get on the same page? Do they have a rhythm together? And that type of pattern is the pattern that led to a goal. Okay, take away the high press or winning the ball in a good spot. It was one pass, back, two, turn, three, four, five, out the other side overlap six it's literally what you see when you put the mannequins all over the field and you're like in back out round overlap cross goal you're like okay 
And there's something to that that I think that type of pattern with these types of players is missing, that comfort and understanding of mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, when you see a, a really intelligent winger spin underneath on an entry ball into a, into a striker so that they can be facing the game and you're like, oh, that's how they solve the problem. He doesn't have to just find an, mm -hmm. a new answer. He's now got a guy that you can play it. I feel like some of that stuff is missing, some of that innovative thinking or thinking one step ahead of the play. Take, take away like playing an entry ball to the striker because – we haven't had a striker to play to for these last two games. They've been completely, you know, their job. And that's why I go back to why can't the U.S. be the best pressing team in CONCACAF? Take all that other stuff away. We've got young, like young energetic players that are willing to do the work. So why not force them to do the work? Take out all that other stuff of yeah. how can we build yeah. up? How can we beat them in? How can we beat a deep block? How can we beat blah, blah, blah? Just literally press the ball. Canada, as soon as you press the ball, they were going to lump it long. We got it back. First 10 minutes, we were doing all right. They mm -hmm, would lump, mm -hmm. lump it long. One, mm -hmm. two, three, pass it back to the keeper. Long challenge for 50-50s, like that sort of thing. But again, the one biggest chance that came, came out of really sharp passing, but it started with a good press. And so I take away all this other stuff. And I'm like, why can't we be a good pressing team? It was, I, off, I, a, it was off a Canada throw-in as well. Yeah. Yeah, and to your point, I agree with you. you. We have all the components to make it maybe a little bit more simple. And I don't know if this is the coach or if this is the players or the not, not the right mix of players to your point, Heath, but something's just a little off. And I don't know if there's some false confidence from winning the two tournaments this summer that we should be a little bit better than we are or whatever it is, but we should never get away from what you said, right? They'll always the fight. That's how you get success in CONCACAF. And then secondly, we should probably let lend that fight to pressing. So we just make it difficult on other teams. I still don't know if we really made Canada suffer. They almost knew they were going to suffer, accepted that that was going to be their role today, and then just pick their spots. They actually looked like they were enjoying themselves because we played right into their hands. And I hate that. I hate when opponents feel like they got the best of us, you know? So anyway, we're going to take a quick break, but the one theme I'm going to end it on, on a silver lining here, we'll come right back, is that we still haven't learned how to lose. This group still, even if they don't play well, we're not losing games. And that's the first goal we've given up in the run of play in seven straight. So there's some silver lining. I'm just going to throw it out there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got all the other games from CONCACAF to dive into. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. Me and Heath Pierce getting after it. I think we're a little heated. I'm sweating over here. I don't know about Dude, heat. I'm, de I'm dehydrated. If You're I put, dehydrated. If clearly. I put both of my legs under this chair, one of one of my hamstrings is going to cramp. That's how that's how heated I am right now. I feel like I'm literally playing in a Concacaf game today. Got a lot right. going on in my head. So I'm going to give you the scores of the games, and I want you to just dive in. I assume you're going to start with Mexico, but I'll just give them out there for you anyway. El Salvador took on Honduras. 
the same spot that they played against the U.S., the only team to host their first two games at home in this qualifying phase. It was 0-0, and the lights went out for 12 minutes. So that's pretty ridiculous. We can jump in there. But a good result, I'd say, for both countries. I, I predicted a draw, and it was a draw, so I was happy with that. Jamaica, though, welcoming Mikel Antonio in particular, one of the most informed strikers probably in the world, definitely in the Premier League. And it didn't really go well. I don't think he gets too much time with the reggae boys. They lost 3-0 at home to Panama. I watched all three of those goals, and it's the defending that really let them down. They lacked a little bit of urgency as well, a little bit of that fight that we're talking about with the U.S. So I'd be pretty disappointed from a Jamaican standpoint if I were Jamaican. And then Costa Rica at home, losing to Mexico 1-0, a 45th-minute penalty right before halftime, and Pineda ends up putting it past Kaylor Navas. Big win for Mexico, obviously. Tata Martino always under a ton of pressure. Pretty impressive performance from El Tri, and now they're on top of the qualifying phase with six points after two games. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll start with the Mexico game. Mexico could have lost at the end. Uh, they gave up a couple huge chances that could have been goals, like clear mm-hmm, chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them off the, literally the upper uh, top corner, like top bends on the back post. Goalkeeper was beat. And then a couple sort of counterattacks, slotting balls across the goal where, you know, uh, a sliding player like Brendan Aronson does today puts it away. And unfortunately, uh, it didn't happen. But for Mexico, it's a huge win for them. I think the main theme that I would talk about with them is uh, Funes Mori continuing to miss big chances Mm -hmm, in front mm -hmm. of goal, trying to figure out where he fits into this style of play in the system when they need him to be the one that can sort of lift this team up when he gets his chances and 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 didn't convert. Uh, Pineda subbed in in the 41st minute, scores on the penalty uh, just before half, which is always a nice feeling to show impact uh, and that kind of ROI of, of coming in. But overall, the main thing for Mexico is not keeping the ball for long periods when they were up. Uh, obviously, you're playing away from home. The legs start to get heavy. But there were times where they're out on the counter and they could have just pulled it back and really made Costa Rica chase the game. And, you know, a poor turnover here and there kept Costa Rica into it. Um, but not a, not a great game overall for Costa Rica. I don't know if you, if you had any thoughts on that, Jimmy, or if you had a chance to see, see much of that. Yeah, I saw, I saw a good portion of the game. I would say I agree with your sentiments about Mexico. What's scary about them in particular is that I don't think they've identified their best 11, obviously without Chucky Lozano and Raul Jimenez. Hopefully he comes back and can get into a form that, uh, would demand a recall. Uh, I think we all want that for him given his significant head injury, Chucky Lozano as well. So they're probably not in their best form, but they're turning those into wins and our best form is turning into draws. And that makes me a little bit nervous as an American fan that we're going to see this L tree team that despite not playing well are still getting results. And when they figure it out, they're going to be probably close to being unbeatable. And that makes me a little bit nervous. I think uh, looking forward, but fair play to them, obviously under a lot of scrutiny, didn't play well against Jamaica at home. Didn't really look good in this game but they can sit and be at home and complain and whine with six points at the top of the table. And that must be awesome. That must be a great feeling because we only have two yeah. and we're still whining and complaining. So, so it's interesting. I think Tata Martino, who didn't get to manage in person today, but uh, his lineup choices, you know, he didn't uh, have Santiago Jimenez, who's been red hot, the 20 year old for Cruz Azul this season. Didn't even put him in the 18, which I think was a big surprise to a lot of, of fans because why not go with your youth at this point? These, these, and we could probably say the same thing about Ricardo Pepe. Like, why not just throw those guys out there? What do we have to lose at this point? We already know what Sargent can bring. We already know what people can bring. Bring on these younger players and let them, let them see. Let them, let them step up to the, the occasion and see if they can handle it. That's how we're going to know whether we can trust them moving forward. So that was a bit of a miss. I think Ricardo Pepe and, and Santiago Jimenez are kind of in similar boats in some ways. 
And so just giving those young guys a try. So we'll see if that happens moving forward. That said, they got the results and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a fair play to Mexico. They're, they're in a, they're in a nice spot and in complete control. And, and next up, they end up uh, going to Panama. So it's really important for them to, and these are the two top teams now, Panama and Mexico. Mexico's on six points. Panama's on four. I'm glad, honestly, Heath, and everybody listening and watching, that they play each other now because it's going to allow us to gain points on one of the two, if not both. If maybe they draw and we can gain points. But going down to Honduras is going to be a tough test for us. So what were your thoughts on Panama over Jamaica? Yeah, uh, Panama were were good. Um Jamaica were bad. <laughs> that was sort of a, you know, I love that. If you, if you, that if you, hashtag you know, analysis. Uh, you know, hashtag expert analysis. No, look, uh, Panama took everything that Jamaica gave them. When they had a turn, a player up the wing, bring attack to a conclusion, really challenging uh, Jamaica. I obviously gave Jamaica uh, a bigger chance just because of the attack uh, quality that they brought in for this game. Mikel Antonio, um, leading that attack, but they just looked like they were not on the same page defensively. Mm-hmm. They were spread out all over the place. And then Panama again, three, they, they had decent combination play to create their, their, their goal scoring opportunities. And then again, that rising to the challenge of, Hey, if I get a chance in front of goal, I'm going to put this away and I'm going to give my team a win. I think, you know, it's weird because you go, well, I wish the U.S. could play uh, Jamaica in the state of disarray that they're in right now. Unfortunately, it's no disrespect to Jamaica. They've had to go through a lot um, during this 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 window. But y- you look at it and you go, well, shouldn't they be excited to play Canada uh, at home? Like You look back at those and you go, squandered opportunities. And if mm-hmm. you go to Jamaica, perhaps the U.S. doesn't rise to that occasion or challenge or finish those chances either. So you kind of just got to take it in stride. And right now, Panama's got no problem doing that. They they Against Costa Rica... They dominated and didn't get the result um, mm-hmm. that they wanted. They should have had all three points out of that one. Uh, and then now they they go against Jamaica away, where they looking perhaps would have thought, man, if we we squandered that first right, chance, right. maybe it's going to go bad. They bounced back and took all three points from a Jamaica side who, again, I thought was very poor today, but they didn't waste any time recognizing that this team was poor and then just punishing them. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm curious about this Panama team because they have actually looked very very good in these first two games. And now let's move on to the, to the last one, El Salvador and Honduras. 0-0, El Salvador had 70% possession. Only one shot on goal, though. And the same for Honduras. Only one shot on goal with their 30% possession. Oh, what a, Hon- Honduras what is, yeah, what a game. Lights went out for 12 minutes. Uh, seemed like a bit of a shit show on that side of things. But they finished it, and it ended up 0-0. Honduras in the same boat as us. Two points, one goal for, one goal against. They... Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, we're going to get into our preview podcast when we when we record that one. But with regard to what you've seen so far from Honduras, what do you think in terms of what? what let's say it like this: How do you think they're looking at this U.S. game, knowing it's going to be at home? They are going to scrap and fight and war. I remember standing behind the goal, the Nations League, when the intensity that Honduras would clear a ball with a header had mm-hmm. this like. <laughs> this sort of like I remember those games. Yeah. You know, like there was like this this anger inside of them that was like, you are going to have to go through hell if you're going to beat us. And that mentality at home is very powerful, especially when you have a crowd and you have that atmosphere and you know that it's notoriously a difficult place to play and widely considered one of the more dangerous places uh in Central America to to play. So there is a natural fear factor for for the Americans when you go down there. You feel very far from home. And when you add that fight to the game, you can quickly 
you know, and again, the U.S. was outmatched uh, in the last qualifying campaign against these guys. They ended up Bobby Wood scoring to to bring it back level, but for long periods, they were they were suffering, and it looked like Honduras was going to come out on top. I don't right. I, I don't care who Honduras puts on the field right now. They have this uh, never say die attitude, and that's a tough thing to prep for, to coach against, or to 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 assume that you can beat whether home or away. And I, I think the U.S. is going to have to look at that and go. We're going to have to go punch for punch for with these guys. And maybe maybe that ends you in a point. Maybe that ends you in three points. But at a minimum, if you're not willing to, to, to step up to that energy level and to fight them at that level, I mean, I just, I mean, who, who from this U.S. side, when you look, we're going to get into it but uh, on the preview pod. But and so I don't want to say too much, but I'm just looking at it going like, man, I don't know. I don't know who right now wants to go down there and play against Honduras. No. I agree with you 100%. I've been down there before in 2009. We qualified for the 2010 World Cup. It should have been 3-3. Uh, it ended 3-2 because Pavone missed the penalty, thankfully. So we qualified then. It was it was a fun celebration, but uh, it was a very, very difficult game. All right, everybody. We finished up on match day two. I'm going to give you the standings. And then Heath Pierce, I want you to give me your final thoughts about what we've seen over these last two match days. Mexico's on top. Six points. Three goals, four, one against. Panama is in second on four points. Three goals, four, zero against. Look at Panama do it on both sides of the ball. Canada on two points, two goals, four, two against. They're currently in third. Honduras in fourth. We're tied with them. Uh, one goal, four, one against on two points. El Salvador, no goals, four, none against. Uh, they have two points as well. Costa Rica with only one. And Jamaica have lost their first two games. One goal, four, five against. Minus four goal difference. Jamaica has a lot of work to do if they're going to turn this around. So Heath, now I throw it to you. What, what, what's your biggest takeaway from this first or these first two match days? My biggest takeaway is that I, well, I hope that, that Mexico beat Panama because I just like Mexico run away, run away with the points, keep yeah, going. Yeah. No problem. But we can like, settle into second. Start. Yeah. Start, <laughs> start taking points from everybody else that we need. We need you to take points from because that's the, the way that I'm feeling right now. But overall, when you put it into perspective and you look at 14 games, they've got six more home games, six more away games. They're going to knock out one of those away games on Wednesday. It, you start to have a better picture of like, this is a, this is a marathon. And this is a lot more like you see uh, heading towards what you have in Conmebol qualifying in South America, where it is a marathon. And you've got to be Really, really, you know, seven or eight all the way through that qualifying, and you'll be just fine. You don't want to have big peaks and valleys. And I think the U.S. has shown some vulnerabilities so far. But uh, the one thing that I was missing is the thing that I think was was there all summer long, which is this, like, fight and this pride and this sort of, you know, if Christian Pulisic, to go back to that, if he's if he's coming back at the beginning of the game, and I'm Tyler Adams, I'm saying, Bro, get back up in the front. We don't want you back here. Someone yeah, tell yeah, him, go yeah, back. Like, get yeah, out of here. Yeah. What are you doing? And like that side of like intensity of like, I don't know. It's it, 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 maybe I'm not explaining it right. But that that's the one thing that I would want the U.S. to take away from this whole thing is add everything. Just if you can add that fight that you had all summer long, whether it was with your Gold Cup team or with the, the Nations League team, I think that's going to get you a lot further than, than, than the X's and O's, in my opinion. Um, and then the final thing is, again, the point standings uh, outside, of, outside of Mexico and, and Panama, it's wide open. So it hasn't, there's been no real shock movements uh, along the way that I think it still positions the U.S. to be in a great spot and to compete. And again, over that marathon, hopefully start to create gaps with results. But uh, it, certainly's got, it, it certainly has to start uh, with something on Wednesday. 
Well, with regard to the United States, from your lips to their ears, Heath Pierce, and with regard to the standings, as you mentioned, as, as Jesus mentioned earlier, there's still 12 matches left to go. So plenty of points at stake and on the table. So that's it, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. Follow the K Golasso podcast on Twitter at K Golasso pod. And make sure you subscribe to K Golasso's page on YouTube. So don't just hit like, don't just leave a comment, hit that subscribe button, turn on your notifications. So you always catch every single episode, especially as we go through World Cup qualifying to get more of my handsome face and Heath as well. And of course, subscribe to K Golasso wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday to preview match day three as the U.S. men's national team traveled to Honduras looking for that elusive, elusive road win. We'll see if they can do it. I don't know. I think I'm a little nervous right now, Heath, but uh, I'm going to give it a couple days and maybe my thoughts will change. Thank you so much, Heath. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. And thank you for everybody for listening and watching. We'll see you soon. Later.